Hello, and welcome to show number 2408 of Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. There's a lot of different ways that you can accommodate vision impairment. And just having people to bounce those ideas off of, like, did you try this with a screen reader or did you? have a reader help you? Did you use a scribe or did you do dictation? How did you do surgery? How did you deliver babies? That kind of thing. And today we'll be talking about how that works in the medical professions. The Disability in Medicine Mutual Mentorship Program, or DM3P, is a grassroots organization that supports disabled healthcare professionals and trainees as they navigate the field of medicine. We'll talk with members Erin Jarrell and Suchita Rastogi about why and how the organization was formed and how its members benefit each other. But first for our tip of the week, this week's tip comes from Suchita Rastogi. My tip would be that you often come to a place in life where you get stuck and you something happens, you develop a new disability, or you don't get um, the job or the change that you wanted. And when that happens, I think it's important to view it as a learning opportunity. And to use that opportunity and reach out for help. And that tends to be the best way to kind of get over that hurdle. Because chances are that someone else has either had the same Um, problem before or can help you brainstorm ways to keep moving forward. And that's part of what we do at DM3P in mentorship is to make those connections so that people have not only a support group, but a way to move forward and a way to reevaluate how they're going forward. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by Biped.ai, whose smart mobility harness can be worn by the blind to warn of obstacles and assist navigating using GPS in a single device. Demonstrations of the Biped device will be given at the CSUN conference March 18th through 22nd. More information is available at biped.ai. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Erin and Suchi. We have two guests with us today to talk about our topic. And I thought we could start off by having Erin introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, everybody. I'm Erin Gerald. I am a family medicine physician. I did practice for about eight years um, in clinical practice after my residency. And now I am spending some time working with the Disability and Medicine Mutual Mentorship Program. I have been legally blind for my whole life and recently experienced a vision loss about six years ago, so that I am very low vision right now with mostly shadows and light. And our other guest is Sushi. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Sushi? Sure. Thank you, Pete, for um, inviting us both here 
My name is Suchita Rastogi, but I go by Suchi. I'm an Indian American woman and and I guess a former MD PhD student currently on an almost three year leave of absence due to multiple chronic illnesses. And those are illnesses I acquired as a young adult. And part of the mix of those chronic illnesses include chronic migraines, um, which prevents me from doing a lot on screens. I'm also an active MPH student at the University of Illinois at Chicago. That's a master's of public health? That's correct, yes. Given my lived experience developing these chronic illnesses during training, I ended up co-founding and becoming the executive director of the Disability in Medicine Mutual Mentorship Program, which started in late 2020. And that's what we'll be talking about mostly today. Yes. Support for Eyes on Success comes from our listeners and corporate sponsors. For more information about airing promotional items on the show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is the Disability in Medicine Mutual Mentorship Program, or DM3P, a grassroots organization that supports disabled healthcare professionals and trainees. Just to get us started, Tell us what the name of the organization is that you usually refer to as DM3P. It's called the Disability in Medicine Mutual Mentorship Program. The mutual mentorship part is actually quite important. It's a concept that underlies everything that we do. So mutual mentorship essentially honors the fact that people coming to this program Each have their lived experiences that make them knowledgeable in some areas and in need of assistance in others. And that doesn't always translate with age or stage of training. So the classic example I always give is imagine the pre-medical student who has no idea what the field of medicine really entails, but was born with their disability. And so knows how to advocate for disability rights or knows what their rights are, what the laws are, and how to procure accommodations. And then you compare them to the attending physician who grew up non-disabled and only just recently acquired their disability and so has no idea what accommodations are, maybe never heard of the word ableism, and yet has all of this experience about what going through the medical path entails. These two people would be great complements to each other because they have each knowledge that the other can benefit from. So you talked about DM3P being formed about three years ago. Can you tell us how that came about and what was the idea behind it? Sure. So back around that time, I was still in my training program trying to finish my medical part of the MD-PhD program, but my chronic illnesses were progressing to a point where they were um, definitely becoming noticeable during my training. And I thought at that point that I was probably the only one and didn't really know who to turn to as I was facing more and more barriers 
or even being told to leave my field of study. And I turned out to get really lucky because Dr. Peter Poulos, who founded um, an organization called the Stanford Medicine Alliance for Disability Inclusion and Equity, I know that's a mouthful, he had just founded his organization maybe a couple of years prior. And we found one another and he um, brought me into his corner and explained how I could advocate for myself what ableism was and what was an accommodation anyway. I, I hadn't even heard of the word before. And I knew there were many people who were not so lucky and did not have a Dr. Poulos in their lives and wanted some way to extend that help to others. So when he approached me about co-founding a mentorship program, I said yes. So now you talk about his program focusing on inclusion. Is that because of people's identities or people's disabilities or umbrella for all different descriptors? I think the inclusion was meant to be disability inclusion. So the, the those two words were meant to go together. But I think it could also be broadly applied. And Erin, how did you come to be a part of the program? I guess it was about a year ago. I finally decided to do a little bit of searching to find other physicians or healthcare professionals with disabilities online. So I just did a Google search and I found a podcast called Docs with Disabilities. And I immediately binge listened to like the entire thing over four days. Um, but also in that podcast, Peter Poulos is one of the co-hosts. And I reached out to him and I actually asked him about their annual conference, which is the Smady annual conference. But then he also connected me with DM3P. You know, it's interesting, as both of you noted, many of people with some kind of disability or they have to do things a little bit differently, they do feel isolated because there aren't a lot of people like them. And they initially start out not knowing about the resources that are available or other people that may have faced the same challenges. And it can be very isolating. So it's a good thing to have a group like this that sort of collects people in one place so they can share their experiences. Yes, agreed. And that was the part I actually didn't know um, would turn out quite so well when we first founded this. When Dr. Poulos, Dr. Joe Kim, and I co-founded the organization, we kind of just said, okay, we'll open up a Zoom room and Dr. Poulos will talk about something. And if we build it, maybe they'll come. It turns out that one of the strengths of the program is, as you said, people finding one another and building community and finding fellowship. And so a lot of the mentorship happened kind of often without my knowledge. And I later learned about connections people made when they came back and said, thank you for doing this. And I was like, you're welcome. But honestly, it's the community. It's not really me. So initially, this was a new program. I'm wondering how you actually reached out to people and how people knew about you. We did do some outreach in the beginning, but it was actually quite limited. So um, Dr. Joe Kim, who is the third and final co-founder, he runs a group called the Society of Physicians with Disabilities. And this was founded quite a while ago 
And it's essentially this message board that he um, curates and maintains. And there are a lot of people signed up for it. So he just spammed that and said, hey, this program is starting. And Dr. Poulos reached out through his own networks um, to people he knew at different institutions across the country. But he didn't really approach too many other institutions. And then people started finding us kind of by word of mouth and sort of like how Aaron found this program later on once Dr. Poulos got featured on Docs with Disabilities. And then the final outlet that I think drew in a lot of people was the SMATI conference that Aaron just mentioned a little while ago. And that is the conference that's held once a year, completely virtual, and thousands of people come. I'm not sure how the outreach works for that one, but people heard about the program through there, and so then they came that way. It sounds like by now you probably have quite a following. I'm wondering who you serve. I take it it's not just physicians. No, it's not just physicians. There are people from all different health professions. So far, I've met physical therapists, pharmacists, nurses, social workers, even some people outside of traditional healthcare, such as epidemiologists, anthropologists, even people in engineering. So there's a quite a broad range of people who come. They also come from different stages of training. So there are people in undergraduate trying to apply into medical school or nursing school. And then there are people who have left medicine and are either elderly or um, have gone on to do something else. I was going to ask, what fraction of your members do you figure started practicing whatever kind of medicine, and you listed a lot of fields, after or before they became disabled? So, you know, like Erin had a bit of a visual problem going through her training and starting practicing, and then her vision loss got more significant. And then she found your organization. So I can speak to that a little bit. We make sure that we protect our members' confidentiality. And so we don't keep a list of members and their disabilities or what stage of their disability they are at now or where they were when they entered medicine. But just anecdotally from meetings that I've been to, I'd say that it's maybe half and half. I don't know for sure. Um, There do seem to be more, you know, older physicians that have had vision become worse. But I also have met probably four or five other people with a congenital visual problem who have low vision that are going through training right now. Tell us a little bit about how the organization works, what resources you offer people, and how you get together to do this mentorship. The mentorship program's core offering and what we offered from the very beginning were monthly meetings that always happen on the third Wednesday of every month in the evening. And there are exceptions to that, but that's our usual time. And they're held over Zoom and last for 90 minutes. And usually, the meetings feature some sort of a guest speaker or panelists who talk about different 
aspects of navigating the world of healthcare and medicine from the professional side with a disability. And then there's often a lot of time for interaction with the speaker or with one another during these meetings so that people can network and can sort of talk out the ideas that they just learned. In addition to that, we offer a couple of different platforms for networking between the meetings. So we have a private Discord group and a private LinkedIn group. And then we also have the website that keeps track of which meetings happened and has a lot of other resources in case people aren't able to come to the meetings. And then finally, we are getting our other social media off of the ground. We do have a Twitter that is active. We also have a YouTube channel that isn't active, but we're hoping to post sometime very soon to it. And we also do advocacy on behalf of our community. So there have been a few different projects that have come up in the last year where we were able to advocate for disability rights on the national level. You know, the internet these days is such a tremendous tool for people with different abilities around the world and making it possible for them to connect. Because I worked as a blind research scientist at Xerox, and there weren't any other blind scientists. And I think of most of the blind people I know these days, I've met them all over the internet somehow. I agree. I feel that my connection to the blind community has strengthened greatly um, ever since I've been more involved with you know, social media and searching on the internet and just all, actually, there's a lot of podcasts that are very, very helpful too. Most of our listeners have visual impairments, but I assume that the kinds of barriers that they run into, oh, you can't do that, you're blind, apply to people with a wide variety of disabilities. Oh, you can't do that, you're deaf. Oh, you can't do that, you're too short. And your organization includes people with a wide variety of disabilities, correct? Yes, that is true. I don't know, um, like, given what Aaron said about the fact that we don't collect people's information or don't demand it, I can't really give you a rundown. But I can say that there are a wide variety of disabilities represented among the membership, some of which are not apparent when first interacting with the person, and some of which are very apparent. So yes, it's true. You talked about some of the new initiatives that you're trying to foster, such as posting more to YouTube. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're hoping for in the future? Yes. So particularly about posting to social media, so far, we have had all of our events on Zoom and have been able to record them. But there are many people who can't come to the Zoom meetings just given whatever time zone they're in. Some people are even trying to attend from the other side of the world and obviously can't when the time zone kind of conflicts with their own work schedule. So we want to post previous events to our YouTube channel so that others who weren't able to attend can benefit but there is a lot of work that goes into that, including making the videos and the associated slides accessible. And 
making sure that we protect the privacy of our community members who joined, because there are many people who have joined this organization who don't want their institutions to know that they're disabled or to what extent they're disabled or even to what extent they've been talking about the barriers they have been facing at said institutions. That can be a very touchy issue with some employers, I would guess. Disclosure is something that we discuss often, and it's it's a huge issue because there's a lot of pros and cons to disclosing. For me, my disability has always been very um, apparent, but for people where it's not, you know, you have the benefit of, do I disclose so that I can ask questions and learn if this is going to be an accommodating place, or do I not disclose because I'm worried they're going to reject me right from the start because they don't want to, you know, have a person with a disability. That's something that is rehashed over and over again, especially within medicine, because doctors are supposed to be the ones that are healthy and well all the time. And um, that's kind of the set expectation. But in reality, you know, our group tends to have the philosophy that it's actually helpful for a doctor to have been a patient in the past and to have this shared experience with the patient so that they can identify with them and actually recognize some different ways that they could be even more helpful. I think that's good in any field to be able to see the experience from the other side. This is a similar question to one I asked a few minutes ago, but turned around the other direction. You have members with a wide variety of disabilities, but our listeners are mostly interested in issues related to vision loss. How does your program serve specifically members with vision loss? We, first of all, try to make sure that our meetings are accessible. We provide the slides ahead of time to measure members with vision impairments. And then we also, during the informal time or even during meetings, a lot of times um, accommodations that we've utilized are discussed. So I gave a presentation. It was called Two Steps Forward, One Step Back, My Journey Through Life in Medicine with a Vision Impairment. And in that presentation, I discussed details about my vision impairment, the accommodations I used throughout my whole education, um, starting in elementary school, and going all the way through medical school and residency and in my job as a physician. And then we kind of share those accommodations. And I feel like that's something that's really useful because there's a lot of different ways that you can accommodate vision impairment. And just having people to bounce those ideas off of, like, did you try this with a screen reader or did you have a reader help you? Did you use a scribe or did you do dictation? How did you do surgery? Um, How did you deliver babies? That kind of thing. It's helpful to have someone who's either done it before or who's tried it and you can bounce those ideas off them. And I think to add to that for me, um, I do not have low vision. I'm fully sighted, but with my chronic migraine, I was finding it impossible to do anything on screen. And being in the middle of an online master's in public health program, that proved to be quite challenging. And lo and behold, Erin was able to help me along with a few others who will be on, I guess, the next episode and explain to me like, hey, 
I know you don't have low vision, but you could really benefit from a screen reader. And by the way, here's how to use it, which was amazing. So that's an example, I think, of how one type of disability lends to assistive technology that can be helpful for applications that it wasn't originally conceived for. Yeah, we can help each other if we only know who to watch and what questions to ask. We didn't talk about what sustains the organization. Can you tell us a little bit about your funding sources? So for right now, the organization was basically founded by three parent sponsors. One of those sponsors is SMATI, so Dr. Poulos's organization, and they provide all of our base funding. And then we apply for grants. We were able to get two of them to fund our first couple of years of operations. And so that enabled us to kick things up into a higher gear. We're also in the process of applying for nonprofit status. And once we are able to get that, hopefully in a year's time, then we'll be able to apply for a much wider range of grants and hopefully also start accepting donations that are tax-free. Well, that sounds like you've come a long way in a short period of time, and this is a great resource for many people around the world. Congratulations. Thank you very much. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about DM3P and how to contact them. Well, if people want to find out more about the Disability and Medical Mutual Mentorship Program, or DM3P, as you call it, where would you direct them? I would tell people to head over to our website, which is https colon slash slash disabilitymedmentors.org. And the med and the mentors start with an M for Mary. And on the website, there are um, dark blue join us buttons that you can click on. And that takes you to the very brief um, application that's more like a formality, basically making sure that you're not a robot, essentially, um, to join the program. So you also mentioned that your organization is very active in various types of social media. Can you review how people would find you? there? Yes, of course. Um, So our Twitter handle is at DM3P underscore social. And then our YouTube channel is at Disability Med Mentors. And you mentioned another organization concerning physicians with disabilities. Yeah, there are actually a couple. So Aaron, I think you mentioned the Docs with Disabilities Initiative. They are an organization founded by Dr. Lisa Meeks. And then the other organization that I think deserves a shout out as well is Medical Students with Disability and Chronic Illness, also known as MSDCI. And that's an advocacy organization more than a social one, but it's kind of, I consider it our sister organization. Um, We do a lot of collaborating together, and they also kind of co-sponsored us along with SMATI. 
As usual, you can find all that information and much more in the show notes for episode 2408, which is this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for today's show. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be speaking with three physicians, Andrea Landaris, an attending, Bo Barley, a fellow, and Silpa Tadavarthi, a student, about their personal experiences as visually impaired medical professionals or trainees and the impact that the Disability and Medical Mutual Mentorship Program has made in their training and careers. Thanks for joining us this week. Until next week. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman-Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.